Jesus. I wish I could figure out what hospital it was. Uh-huh. I wish any of the people that were there had any good info. It's such a strange, shrouded in mystery thing. I died at a club. Um foamed at the mouth pissed myself that that i have confirmed with multiple people right. i don't remember Is that the o- last overdose? thing i remember that's the other thing like you don't overdose like that off of meth there's a possibility that i got ghb like uh-huh. but i was drinking ghb just out of a water bottle like it was nobody's business back then like i actually we, don't know what ghb is um it's a date rape drug uh, it's one of them it's like okay um but uh I just did a ton of drugs back then, so there's a possibility that I did a cap of GHB or something. I feel like I, I kind of remember it being around that night. But um, so in that situation, a lot of people on GHB do die, but if you left them alone, they're fine. Like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I But then also somebody was poisoning me around that time. So I don't... And <laughs> I didn't find that out till years later, so I could have died from arsenic poisoning. So Someone was... Po- who was... I'm sorry. Who was poisoning? I didn't never get up off of that story because. Uh, okay, sure. But uh, sure, yeah, sure. just don't do drugs with Eastern Europeans. I guess <laughs> is my advice. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Tom Goss, host of Leaving. The tribe, a podcast about people who left an ideology, group, religion, etc. Uh, today's episode was, is with Jessa Reed, um, phenomenal guest. Please follow her on social media at oh shit at Jessa Reed Comedy. Sorry, I had that up and I fucked it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's a fucking fascinating person, and if you enjoyed her stories, we can only go into a fraction of. <laughs> This shit she's uh, she sh- that's interesting about her. But if you did enjoy, listen to her other to her podcast, Mormon and the Meth Head, and then also listen to her other podcast, her new podcast, Soberish, which uh, I actually guested on. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be up by the time this is released, but it'll be up soon. And stay tuned for more information on that. You can follow uh, the podcast. Uh, at Leaving Tribe Pod on all social media and me at Goss Goss Six. Um, this is it's a fucking great episode and I'm once again I know I say this every episode and every intro, but I'm enjoying doing these so much and I'm so glad that the people who are listening are enjoying it as much as they are and I appreciate all of you who are leaving reviews and telling friends and um, you know, letting me know that you guys enjoy the show. Uh, Because I absolutely appreciate it. Um, Go ahead, and if you haven't left a a review, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. Or just subscribe on whatever uh, podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Uh, It always helps. And um, I guess I'm I'm keeping keeping this intro short, but yeah, Jessa's fucking... Everything about her story is fucking nuts. We talk... We jump around a bunch in this one too. We talk about psych wards, church, uh, drugs, um, fucking, you know, uh, and of course the process of getting through all of that. But you, yeah, she she has. It's hard to it, you know uh, capture exactly what her story is because it it's it's fucking it's 
a uh, it's a long backstory, and we can we barely scratch the surface. And once again, if you're interested more of her story, which you should be, it's a fucking nuts story, and it's she makes it hilarious. Listen to her on uh, Mormon the Meth Head and check out her other podcast, Soberish. Um, thank you again for listening to the show. Enjoy today's episode and enjoy. I am not good at talking today. Enjoy today's episode with Jessa Reed. I mean, I'll probably end up weaving it in. I only okay. know how to talk about what okay. I'm currently on. But yeah, and then and then just just um, just kind of like I'm just trying to get an idea. I want to have an idea of kind of the trajectory of the show. You were religious. You went from that to to drugs, right? I actually uh, just leave the uh, my tribe every few years. Right. So uh, I did. I Christianity was something I bought into at like 16. Uh-huh. And then left at 21 and then I bought into like underground drug culture and then left that and then bought into like uh hardcore recovery and then left that. And uh now yeah. it's comedy. Yeah. It's been comedy, it's comedy the whole time. You've been doing comedy. Yeah, comedy for- I just keep trying to run away from. Comedy <laughs> is the one that just <laughs> keeps come dragging it. me back to That's, the Yeah. to the camp, but um Yeah, I think just my entire life i i do things for a few years i am Uh i play one character for a few years i have one group of people right and then i just burn it all to the ground and start anew um well i'm i'm curious i'm curious i mean i want to talk about all of them a little bit but i'm curious how you because i can't imagine you super religious oh i'm (laughs) so it's a weird thing to imagine because you're very you're very open and you're very um, you, you know, you talk about, I've heard your, your stories about drugs and stuff, like, and it does it, it's weird, I, I mean, we're, like, you, I'm guessing you were just a different person at that point. What's strange is, like, um, so, leading up to that, I had already, like, dropped out of high school, I was a teenager, I really enjoyed fucking grown men. Right. Uh... You know, a cool kid. <laughs> yeah, like fun. I was I was fun. I just I was very dark. I was very dark. I was obsessed with getting into gangs. Nobody wanted to beat me into their gang no matter how many times I asked. But then I uh I got in trouble with the law. Uh-huh. I kept running away from home. And my mom was like a tweaker and um not that nice to me, but she was definitely liked me more than cops right and so she definitely didn't want me to get locked up so she would just not tell on me anymore when i would run away from home because Uh they said you know that i was going to go to jdh next time right and then uh i got caught i had taken a bunch of cold pill cold cold syrup or something Uh cold medicine and uh passed out in a mud puddle almost drowned someone called an ambulance the ambulance picked me up and i was like uh i apparently said i was trying to kill myself i definitely wasn't i was trying Uh to get real high and they took me to a mental hospital which was not my first rodeo how many times have you been to mental hospitals i spent most of like 14 and 15 in a in and out of uh an adolescent 
Okay, no, yeah. It's pretty institutionalized. Me, me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know my people. Yeah. <laughs> this one I did not enjoy, and then I did one more as an adult when I was going through this kind of alien awakening. Uh-huh. I tried on the am I just schizophrenic thing for a minute. Right. And then was like, nope, all right, thanks. <laughs> Let did me back out. And did they think you were you were schizophrenic? Yeah. I yeah. think if I just floated any of my beliefs past a... Uh, I'm actually starting a video series that's just me trying to figure out enlightenment or schizophrenia right <laughs> it's it's a thin line uh i think both yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you be one without the other i don't think so um so this is how i end up in the the church right. is because i uh i get put in this mental hospital and they won't let me out i'm such a pain in the ass i try to fuck my psychiatrist <laughs> i just I had fucking rules. I just, I had seen like Poison Ivy and like too many Sharon Stone movies, you know? And so I was just always trying to be like seductive, but I'm also wearing like baggy cross colors because I'm also still trying to work that gang character out. So I'm just like, uh, really strange kid. And, um, anyway, my mom sneaks me in a cigarette and then I get caught smoking a cigarette in my bathroom. I named my caseworker God. Because I thought she was, I just don't like authority at all. I never have. I, I and so that. it just, uh, I just thought the idea that she's in charge of what happens to my life, just, I barely could wrap my mind around my parents being the boss of me. Right. I was just like, I don't even fucking know you. Yeah. And so I would call her, she hated it. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, I don't know. Should we ask God? Let's ask God what God thinks. I mean, it's really up to God, right? Should we be having this meeting without God? <laughs> she fucking wanted me dead my mom <laughs> tried to break me out with my uh wannabe gangster friends and um it was a Wait, mess how did she try to break you out uh i don't know they were gonna get like a blowtorch we figured <laughs> out that these windows because you could like if i could open the window it just stepped straight out to right the, to the ground you know and so she was like i think we could take a blowtorch to this shit it was kind of cool to have a tweaker mom sometimes yeah that that kind of that kind of rules it just didn't resonate with any of us that right. i should have to be in this fucking place how long were you there uh, 30, 45, 60 days, something. Okay, so it was, a, it was a long one. Yeah, and then I had a nurse tell me they think you're borderline personality disorder, which I don't think you're supposed to diagnose teenagers with that. But you're not supposed to diagnose them with schizophrenia either, but they tend to, they, they do it. They'll float it out there. Yeah, they didn't think I was schizophrenic when I was young. That okay. was like uh, in my 20s. That was 20s. Adult yeah. yeah. But like it was really weird, that conversation with this like nurse or whatever was just like, I was looking through your file. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but they think you're borderline personality. <laughs> Which does, like, I was, uh, I just felt like I was in a movie. And it was just so, I was just like always making sure the movie was entertaining. Right. So, schizophrenia. <laughs> um, so then, uh, anyway, I get out of this place and they put me in my grandmother's custody. Uh huh. And uh, my grandmother goes to church all the time, like multiple times a week. And the church was in my mom's neighborhood, though. So I would usually just dip out during church, Uh pretend to go to youth group and then go hang out out with with my friends. Oh, yeah. And then um, one day I've been doing acid all day because Sunday they went to church in the morning and at night. And Uh so uh, I went to church in the morning, said I'm going to go hang out with my friends, fried on acid all day, got there at night. I'm like 15 and I didn't want to go back to my grandma's house because I was still pretty high. Uh-huh. And these kids were going tubing like on Mount like Mount Hood the next day. Tubing? Like riding tubes down uh, the, oh, like the, the snowy mountain. Gotcha, gotcha. 
and they were like, do you want to come with us? And I'm like, yeah. So I go to their house and I'm like, I'm like off the acid, but awake, you know? Yeah. And they are having like a slaying in the spirit party, which is like praying over each other. And then the, when people fall down. Wait, what do you mean? Fall? You've seen this like on where, where like the guy, the, 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 it's like Pentecostal or whatever. The preacher is like praying for people and they fall down on the oh, ground. Oh, and they like, sp- sometimes yeah. they speak in tongues before yeah. they do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So okay, it was this, I know what this was that, it was that kind of church. And so they were like praying for each other and falling down. And I was like, this looks ridiculous. I must try it. <laughs> and so they did it and I fell down and I had like a, a transformative supernatural experience uh-huh. and up until that point like it's what i had felt my entire life was like disillusioned like i'm looking for something and this isn't it what y'all are telling me is real is not it i'm looking yeah. for something and so in this moment i thought i had found it right and well, what was the actual because you're the, is that what it, i just want to be clear here that's when they tap you on the head and you fall down right yeah this was like a group of teenagers like praying yeah. uh speaking in tongues and then you just like leave your body for a second i guess is what i would describe and it as you, now and you, and you did you did, I did do it yeah, yeah i did experience yeah. it and i had a supernatural experience and then was like okay this is who i am now i am now jesus freak jessa right and just like that i went from being this just disgusting uh uh, drug using sexual deviant to just the sanctified uh, Jesus freak because I was like this is where the magic is I've been looking for the magic let's get to the magic before that I had done so much ridiculous shit at this church at one point I told the pa- the youth pastor that I couldn't join the church because I would get beat out of the gang <laughs> How did, how did they respond to that they laughed and then i got like i would get i was so full of shit and then i would get like so it was i was in my late 20s before i realized your life is already bananas you yeah. do not need to make anything up like right. your life is crazy and i don't think i really realized that my life was crazy until i started doing podcasts and then just like thro- people's thro- reactions. throwing in an aside and then being like oh wait everyone didn't go to a mental institution everyone yeah. has isn't a certified hypnotist <laughs> that's Every- right you're a certified hypnotist yeah, yeah everyone didn't get married when they were 16 oh you didn't all fuck men you know it's like grown men when you were 15 so well, you first got married when you were when you were married. Well, so this happens at this fucking church. Okay, this is okay. I get so then I am just into it, but I'm chasing the magic, right? And so I'm like, then I re- I find out about the Bible. I find out that the people were growing limbs back in the Bible and fucking raising people from the dead and shit, and that this is supposed to happen again when Jesus comes back. And I'm like, let's fucking do it. This lines up more with this nine to five nonsense y'all are trying to sell me as reality. Like I'm right. into it. And then I just became the most just, but I was so outgoing back. I have social anxiety now. I didn't when I was young. Yeah. And so I just would, uh, I had to ride the bus to get, I had to cooperate with the government because the government was like, you're going to go to jail if you do not go back to school. And I was like, well, I'm not going back to school because I don't like being told what to do, but I will go get my GED. Uh And so I would ride the bus like 45 minutes to get to this place where they were paying me to take these classes. And I would just talk to people about Jesus on the bus. But I was, uh, like, interesting, you know? Yeah. And then uh, also not 
not very ladylike or, right. you know, like I had a lot of edge still. Yeah. And so uh, I would bring none of the cool kids because it was like a cool kids youth group, right? Uh -huh. Very popular in high school kids were in this youth group and they didn't love me at first. And so I was just like, well, I'll just make my, like do exactly what I always do, which is just like, I'll just go collect a group of misfits and we will have our own. Yeah. Uh, well, you won't beat me into your Christian gang. I'll go start my own. Right. And so I I brought so many fucking people to this youth group that I would just have like my own section of like new Christians. I ended up with a bunch of teen moms at one point so that I like started a teen mom ministry. I was just nuts. I partnered up with another Christian group to give me Bibles. So I had Bibles to give out on the bus and shit. I was just it was Overnight, that was my entire identity, which is just me in a nutshell. Right, right. If you know me in like in one era in my life, and then you meet me five years, like you see me again five years later, and you try to be like, well, you know how Jess is. Like the only the only consistent thing about me is that it's different. Right, the <laughs> but, inconsistency is the consistency. Yeah, it's just it it depends on who who I was playing at the time. So right. I was so into it, and then the rules. I was trying to think the other day, how did I feel about the homosexuality thing because that doesn't seem like anything that ever fucking with other people's free will is just something that never rubbed me right right yeah. like i don't like authority i don't like being anyone else's authority you're a spiritual libertarian if that makes yeah. sense. yeah i remember the pastor saying like it's supposed to be adam and eve and not adam and steve and i remember being like god that's a dumb fucking pa joke pastors were saying that yeah yeah, for some reason, uh, Christians just feel like it's their job to, like, be the moral authority on other people, which is a lot of how I left, like, a lot right. of what I didn't like. I was still down with Jesus. I was still down with trying to get... Okay, well, so I'm, I'm super into it, and then there's a pastor who I, like, love, this, uh -huh. like, street pastor who, like... Uh, we'd go out and he'd like preach on the streets with a with a megaphone to like bums and like kneel down in their piss and pray with them and stuff. I just loved it. I was like, this right. dude's the shit. He preached in prisons. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to preach to the the outcasts of the world, you yeah. know. And uh, I loved him. And then I found out he had two hot ass teenage sons. Aww. And uh, and then I met them one day. And the day I met his oldest son, I went home and was like, I'm going to marry him. And he uh, he made fun of me for like two straight hours, which anyone uh -huh. that knows me loves, knows that I love getting roasted. Like, I right. love being made fun of. Uh, if you're f good and funny, not... Yeah. yeah. But he was hysterical and just clowned the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I just like left with like stars and hearts floating around my head and uh, was like, I'm going to marry him. Uh-huh. And then uh, we backslid together, and uh, that means sinned, and uh, we sinned with each other's genitals. We sinned uh, with weed. He moved into my mom's house, and I left Christianity for a minute, and uh -huh. then I got pregnant, and then got back. I We asked Jesus back into our hearts, because right. now we're going to get married, and we get to play with each other's uh, genitals. With God's fashion. blessing. Yeah. yeah. And man, <laughs> did we ever. Uh, my podcast partner is a Mormon and uh -huh. he's like, you know, we got married and then just had this very like basic sex. And I'm like, oh my God, me like not like, I don't know, Mormons are different than Christians. We're like, everything's okay. There's like a quote in the Bible that says, 
uh, the marriage bed is undefiled. And we're like, I think that means you can do anal. <laughs> <laughs> You're going straight for the big stuff. <laughs> His dad did like marriage counseling and stuff. So he had all these marriage counseling books and we had like snuck them into our room because we were living with them for the right. first few months you know and then we had it like booked market anal because we were trying to figure out that it was okay and then his mom cleaned our room because we were children uh-huh. and uh and then put that book away and so it still to this day makes me cringe for Th- to, that's to how think she that found she out <laughs> that you were doing butt stuff with her son. But you also, the, yeah, the uh, fuck, fuck thy ass part highlighted <laughs> in the Bible. And then mom finds the passage in the room. Oh, God. <laughs> she must have hated me. Fuck. <laughs> that marriage was a mess. But like, uh, you know, first love, it's a mess. It's supposed right. to be whatever. And um, uh. Do you think do you think you would have because uh, I know you you left the church eventually? Do you think you would have left it sooner if you hadn't gotten married to him? Oh, that's a good question. Getting married to the pastor's son gave me a level of cred. I think that right. like I was able to like work at the church, and um, sometimes I think I would have maybe stayed longer without him because he definitely was less committed than I was. Sure. And they believe all this bullshit about like men are supposed to be the head of the woman and everything. Yeah. That had a lot to do with me leaving. We've talked on the show a lot uh, before, or actually, you know what? I just realized that episode got deleted on accident. But oh, that's talk- the worst. Oh, it's it's happened twice, and I it, it drives me nuts. But I've I've talked to people, and there is a very and you hear about it. But I I, I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up Buddhist. And it, the way it's described, it's incredibly hierarchical with the men above the women. It's almost like the male children above the women, and then it yeah. goes to the women, and then it goes to the 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 uh, the female children, which I got to imagine is even amplified if you're married to the pastor's son to a degree. Yeah. So I wasn't married to like the head pastor's son, okay. but I was. There was like nine pastors. Uh huh. And I was married to, like, the street preacher's son. So there was, uh, like, more of an acceptance there. But there was, yeah, the in general, there's a huge emphasis on what you look like as a woman. I gained 80 pounds. And I was, like, from the wrong side of the tracks, you know. I right. never put on a pair of high heels. I didn't wear makeup. I, uh, I wore sagging pants when we got together. Yeah. And so his mom was very feminine, and she tried to help me. And, um, I became very feminine as, uh, like all of my femininity I own, I owe to his mom. Right. And but during this period, did you stop doing cough syrup and passing on? Yeah, a no, like I didn't you, listen. You got clean. Completely. I didn't, I didn't listen to secular music for years. I didn't watch R rated movies. I watched very few R rated movies. Uh-huh. Like I was, uh, you went full in, in. it, yeah. in it. And I was fine with it, but I was chasing magic. And then what I got was not magic. I got like I ended up working in the department that like is noise, nickels and numbers like to make money. Yeah. And so um, I saw a lot of, you know, the uglier side of that. But more than that was like I wanted miracles. And there is this thing where we're constantly talking about. A revival is coming. Miracles are coming. Uh-huh. And it's a lot of this like building up of uh, anticipation and kind of like 
stirring up emotions to like get things from people, which I think is their money among other things. But we never get to. And so after a while, I I, like my brain just picks up on patterns and my brain's like, man, we're just like in this at the starting line for a long time. And I uh, I was dropping my daughter off at a babysitter across the street, uh, born again Christians that went to a different church. Uh huh. And when I got there, the lady uh, who I'd known since I was a kid said, my friend's coming over. She's a prophetess. And a prophetess at our church would have been considered super spiritual. Uh-huh. Uh, where uh, anything that was like actually magic for some reason, unless it was coming directly from the pastor. A real subtle control thing, right? Uh-huh. And so I was so curious. And she showed up while I was there. And she was like, oh, you're the reason I'm here. And then she gave me a series of prophecies that were so fucking dead on. Uh, my husband had just cheated on me and she knew about that. She knew about, uh, she said that the trauma from my childhood was like holding me back. She called it something different, but she was like, I see you sitting in sackcloth and ashes, Mm -hmm. mourning your childhood. Uh, everything that you are going to become, you're going to become after you forgive your mother, which was, uh, exactly why I had to go on to do drugs because I had to forgive my mom and it did change my whole life. Then she said that, uh, I have the gift of discernment. And that in the end times, I will use that gift of discernment to cut through the crap. Like, I will be, like, a leader in uh, the end times. Uh-huh. And if I could describe the gift that I have more than anything else is uh, discernment, which is, uh, like, I can just hear what everyone's actually saying. Right. And so um, then she goes and tells uh, my husband, because he had just cheated on me and I didn't know it yet. And that he gets there. Oh, you didn't, you didn't. I didn't know it yet. Yeah. That's a heavy ass prophecy. Well, she didn't <laughs> tell me that. What she said was like real vague and I didn't put it together uh-huh. until later. She said, you're bigger than your husband's weaknesses. Uh-huh. You're stronger than your husband's weaknesses. And then she went outside and told him, you know, to, to what he you, did. Uh, he ratted himself out all the time. He's a, he's a uh, guilt ridden. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, he's a teenager that definitely should have gotten more pussy before getting (laughs) married. I mean, really at the end of, uh, you know, like at the core, that was the issue. But, uh, so I am at the time doing a prison ministry within the next year. I'm doing Uh a youth prison ministry. So I drive like an hour and a half to go to the youth prison and talk to these kids. And I suddenly start to develop this ability to like, hear what they're really saying see what they're really about i can see people's trauma and this is like a gift i still have but this is when i really started to tap into it and it felt supernatural at the time right you think the the core of that comes from empathy or something something else i think that we have like a whole set of senses that we are trained to ignore uh-huh. And that uh, we see some people as psychic. It's annoying when you say psychic and people think fortune teller right. or tell me lottery numbers. But in reality, I just think that we exist somewhere other than these avatars we're playing. Sure. And I think that if you can tune into that place, you can hear everything. You can hear what people are really saying. You can hear what they're really thinking yeah. feeling trauma whatever and so i think i just started to tap into that i think some people are just uh-huh. naturally tuned into that station not knowing how and uh it was changing people's lives mm-hmm. and uh i actually had someone track me down later on social media i don't know how she found me but like uh who were like dude you came to that prison and fucking changed my life 
Wow. Uh, like years later kind mm-hmm. of thing. Wow. And, uh, uh, or maybe no, it was, uh, we ran into each other on drugs, I think. Oh, I must wow. have changed it for the better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what it was. We ended up in the social circle later, and she was like, oh, my God, were you the same uh, whatever? <laughs> like, you changed my life. Anyway, so it gets back to the church that I'm doing this, right? Uh-huh. And I'm not ma- I'm not walking in in flowy fucking dresses, all Stevie Nicks and fucking waving right. sage, you know, around. I'm just like... Uh, spe- like now it would be no big deal, but this is like the '90s, you know. Yeah. Wait, so it seemed getting, magic. Getting back to the church that you're connecting with them, or what exactly got that? Back I was to them? like prophesying, right? But that's not how I was doing it. Sure. But I was like, I could see things that people weren't saying out loud. Yeah. And so, uh, now it's just not that big of a deal because we all do it. Like, uh-huh. uh, like to hear someone in the ether is when it feels like subtext. So when someone's telling you like, I got to break up with so-and-so cause of blah, blah, blah. And you can hear the actual reasons. Right. Everyone can do that now, but in the nineties, everyone couldn't do that yet. Uh-huh. So it f- seemed magic. They were too busy staring at chain wallets or whatever the fuck yeah. was going on <laughs> back then. Uh, so, um, it's I got called into the office and uh-huh. was just like, we believe that this gift exists and that you probably have this gift. But your husband is uh, is not operating at that level. And so you're essentially an uncovered woman. And uh, we need you to stop doing that. Wait, so there's because because he couldn't basically they're saying because he couldn't keep. Yeah, because he was, like, fucking off or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, They're basically saying you're making him look bad. It's just you have to, like, um, he's the boss of you. Right. And so that's the other thing you have to submit, and that, that they're supposed to make all the major decisions and what, stuff. It's batshit. Yeah, what denomination is this? This was non-denominational, which is this, like, new weird way of um, uh, pretending that you're not the same thing that everyone else is. Right. Yeah. I, and I th- I thought non de- maybe it was different than the nineties, but I thought non denominational was supposed to be the more chill about that kind of stuff out of all of them. Yeah, they say that. <laughs> they also say they're not a religion. Like that was a. Nu- it's all this weird. Like after after getting trained in hypnosis, uh-huh. uh, I see so much hypnosis in religion and marketing and stuff. How 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 so? So um, it's almost gaslighting. It's like we're not a religion. It's uh-huh. spirituality, but it's like, listen, as long as you're my fucking boss, as long as you're brokering my res- my uh, relationship with my own higher self, because that's all religion is. Right. It's right. like you are God. I don't. Yeah. This is my belief. I mean, this could be fucking. But no, no, for, this like, is very me, interesting. Uh, uh, I believe we're God. Yeah, I believe that we are. There's a, a, a version of us that's here playing the game and there's a version of us that's a higher version of us. Right. And that the higher version of us is writing the script and that the lower version of us is playing it out mm-hmm. and that there that you have the ability to integrate those two things and like basically write your own life. But religion comes along and you have this sense that there's something right. You have the sense that there's something. And religion comes along and says, I, I, that something is God and God is separate from you. Right. But I am willing to play broker between you and God. Yeah. And so then you uh, subjugate yourself to this fucking religion, to this fucking belief system. And then this belief system has all this very seems intentional uh, uh, shame cycle stuff where they say right. 
jerking off is a sin. Having sex is a sin. Having these certain thoughts is a sin. Anything you may enjoy. Anything you might have a natural desire to do is a sin. And so they connect. You can like change neural pathways and like change associations in your own mind. Like I've learned how to like things that make me anxious, make them to where they actually make me relax. Like you can tinker with the programming yourself. But when you take someone and you associate masturbation with shame then every time this person jerks off like we all fucking do then they go into this shame cycle and they feel worthless and then they have to go to the church so that they can get to god who is actually themselves it's like it's so fucking bad for you it's pretty much it's pretty much and tell me if if this isn't what you're saying but it's pretty much someone else is tinkering with the neural pathways that exactly yeah exactly so it's like yeah uh, every time you jerk off you should feel bad and give me your money right you know and so I don't think it's all about money. I think it's about power and other things. I think yeah. some people are just the blind leading the blind. But I do think, uh, you know, ultimately it's between you and yourself. Yeah. And you have to find your way to yourself. Right. And um, it just became the most unmagic thing ever. And I couldn't ever get behind he's the boss of me. Sure. I used to have a great joke about, uh, or we're just basing this off of him having a dick and disregarding the fact that he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, he wasn't that bad. But, like, just the idea that, like, what? You know, yeah. I don't fucking what? Um, and so I got in it for the magic, and then I uh, it wasn't magic. And then every time I would find my own small pocket of magic, I would get knocked back down a couple pegs. Right. And well, uh, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, that goes back to what got you in in the first place. And what I'm curious about is what was the, you know, the magic you felt when you fell and you felt that surreal experience. And, y- you know, I think now I would describe it as astral projection, probably. Uh-huh. But you think it was it was it was more it was just like do you think that was more you than them or what? No, I do think that there is power. There is something to speaking in tongues. Sure, Um, I've had it happen outside of religion, Uh, and I think there is there is power. I think we're powerful. I think we're we're messing around with circuits and stuff that we don't really understand. Right. And so I did have a supernatural experience. I've done DMT now. Uh huh. See, that's the one. The one <laughs> I'm always very curious about. It is uh, the first couple times I did it, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I've done it a few times uh, recently, mm-hmm. and it gets better every time. I think it's something you have to kind of figure out. Right. But there is a sensation of like launching out of your body. Uh-huh. Then uh, that uh, I've noticed with it and that's what it felt like i didn't see a bunch of visuals or anything that i remember but i did launch out of my body for a minute and then was and then was just like back and opened my eyes and everyone was standing over me it's so interesting because i know i know dmt it releases the same chemical in your brain that is released when you die yeah which is is always a it's always that's always been very fascinating to me that you basically they ha- they found a drug that connects you to death in a way, yeah. Because uh, I don't really know if there's any other I don't know if there's any other drug or, or non drug that does that on or you know I don't know any other connector, so to say. And that's what I'm very curious about. Some people say that there you 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 uh, a lot of people meet like an animal or a figure 
when they take DMT. Did you experience that? No, I, uh, so, cause I'd had a near death experience in 2000 where I like ended up in this blue ball of light that, um, told me a bunch of stuff uh-huh. s- like telepathically or something. And so I was hoping like with DMT that I would go back to that. Right. And then the place I go on DMT is, uh, different maybe it's not though because the weird thing about the near-death experience is that is a memory i've unpacked so many times sure that i'm not sure that i still knew what it looks like does that make sense no absolutely the memory will yeah the thing i remember about it that's different than dmt is that i still feel pain right on dmt like i've been doing i'm going through a breakup and i've been doing uh dmt to kind of like when i just like get uh, stuck in a sadness loop. Yeah. I'll just do the DMT to kind of dimension jump, you know? Like microdose or... Yeah, I just do a... Uh, yeah, it's, it's five minutes, you know? Yeah. It's... Uh, I've, I've read a lot about... DMT to me wasn't that big of a deal. I think I've done so much psychedelics and so much hardcore drugs that, uh-huh. like, the first time I did it, I was like, okay, this is... I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But then every other time, I'm like, okay, it's... Uh, it's but I, like, still felt sadness and when i went to the near-death experience like it nothing um it was it was bliss like i can't even articulate it like i went all the way outside of the near of the physical world where there Uh is no no sadness if you you don't yeah if you don't mind me asking how close were you to death in the near i wish i could figure out what hospital it was Uh i wish any of the people that were there had any good info it's such a strange shrouded in mystery thing i died at a club um Foamed at the mouth, pissed myself. That that I have confirmed with multiple people. Right. I don't remember Is that. The o- last overdose? thing I remember, that's the other thing. Like, you don't overdose like that off of meth. There's a possibility that I got GHB. Like, uh-huh. But I was drinking GHB just out of a water bottle like it was nobody's business back then. Like I actually we, don't know what GHB is. Um, It's a date rape drug. Uh, it's one of them. It's like... Okay. Um, but... Uh, I just did a ton of drugs back then, so there's a possibility that I did a cap of GHB or something. I feel like I, I kind of remember it being around that night. But um, so in that situation, a lot of people on GHB do die, but if you left them alone, they're fine. Like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I But then also somebody was poisoning me around that time. So I don't... And <laughs> I didn't find that out till years later, so I could have died from arsenic poisoning. So Someone was... Who was? I'm sorry. Who was poisoning? I didn't never get up off of that story because. Uh, okay, sure. But uh, sure, yeah, sure. just don't do drugs with Eastern Europeans. I guess <laughs> is my advice. <laughs> she had tons of drugs. Like I, these are right. my experiences. But I can, a week ago, had an experience with somebody, and if you listen to two people tell the same story, it's different because sure. we're all playing our own movies. But yeah. I'm getting less of that and more just of like hurt feelings, but it's uh, anyway. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's that. That's always I get. I have stories that I get very hesitant, even if it's painting people in a good light, because I'm always paranoid. I'm going to say something, even if it's a small thing. Yeah. That they're like, I don't want that detail out there. And even even if the story is about a bunch of us having a good time, I don't know. 
it's so tricky in comedy and podcasting figuring out the line between being open and honest and then fucking over other people who don't want any of that information out there. Yeah, well, this hu- my first husband that I talk about. Like, I shit yeah. on him a lot. And in reality, like, my true perception of him is uh, he's one of these people who I want to be mad at. Right. And every time I talk to him, I still love him. Sure. You know, I'm not, like, in love with him. I'm not trying to go marry but him. you still have love for but, him. But uh, I just melt every time we talk. Yeah. I would fucking do anything for him. Right. Uh, he frustrates the shit out of <laughs> me. You know, we still have a kid together. That yeah. He, you know. Um, but he is my first love and he broke my heart and he, he, he devastated me and he had a lot to do with who I am as a person and who I like, who I still am in relationships is affected by that relationship. And so it's such a huge part of my story. And I just think like, I'm not telling the story about the 45 year old version of him. I'm right. telling the story about some dumb 17 year old, right? you know? And so I just don't think of it. Also, he's like not on the internet, you know? Sure. And, um, and I was on Burt cast and I just cracked a joke. That's a pretty stock joke for me, which is just, uh, that's the relationship where I learned that men have to have at least one more redeeming quality other than being funny. <laughs> And that's more a statement about me because if you're you make me laugh, I'm just like, oh, do you want to share a bank account? You know, it's like <laughs> fucking, uh, I give it all away, you know. And so, but then like his sister found it, and like then I see the comment, you know, where she's like hurt, and then I'm like, oh my god, would he be hurt? I feel like he wouldn't give a fuck, right. you know. But I don't can't fi- like I don't I haven't talked to him in a million years, and so I'd have to like track him down, and then so now I'm just like fuck, I. Uh, yeah, you yeah. don't know. You don't. You don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I'm just like it's a it's a movie I watched. You know what I mean? That's right. Twenty something years. You're pretty ago. much a different. I mean, it sounds like. I mean, you He's said a you're different a different person, person sure. every five yeah. years. Uh, so it's an interesting thing, though, because it's it's like my story. I get to tell my story, but it's also his story. You yeah. know, it's well, an interesting thing to think about. I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but someone told me that uh, you are technically on a cellular level a different person every seven years. Because yeah, all your cycle, cells like redo it. Yeah, all of your brain cells, all of your cells are have have died and re are, are are different than it was seven years ago. It would make sense then that I would do it every three to five because uh, at the speed of Jessa, <laughs> it's um it probably sounds like I'm proud of it. I find myself <laughs> to be exhausting. You, you, you <laughs> look at your fingernails, my very dirty yeah. fingernails. <laughs> it was like yes, um, yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm like cool in small doses <laughs> and then I just like I drive my own self nuts and I'm like uh, I don't know how anyone does that. Yeah, yeah, man, I grew up partially in Delaware and um Delaware is like this weird they all go to the same schools together and uh-huh. and then they uh they grow up, they marry their high school sweetheart. One of them joins the union and they work in their town and they um they have all the same friends from childhood all through their lives no one moves. and they all go to weddings and yeah. funerals and, and it's just this fucking loop and it's a nightmare to me. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Like to live the same life, uh, is so it's my worst nightmare. It is like, yeah. I, it, it feels, it would feel like prison to me. I don't know. Yeah. You, you, I've, I mean, I don't, I don't know you super well, but it seems like what you hate more than anything is monotony. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, 
you 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 know you have an adventurous spirit and stuff. And the s- the story of me quitting math was because my dad was like, uh, "Hey, if you get home and shit's a little stale," and it was like the perfect it was the perfect wedge to put in between uh-huh. me and drug addiction because I was like really into it. Right. And then he presented the possibility that maybe I'd been around this track already, and I was like, "God damn it! It ruined it. It ruined meth for me because I was like, this is stale." <laughs> that's how you got sober is the repetitiveness of getting high mm-hmm. which is that's i don't want to say that's crazy but that's so fucking interesting that, that that's the th- that i mean that seems like at your core that's what you're chasing is new experiences yeah more than anything i don't know that there's very many people who ch- you know chase new experiences more than getting high i feel like once you get high that a lot of times be kind of kind of becomes your rock yeah it, you know um it's uh it's life experience i uh i'm currently mourning uh my marriage that i guess i didn't mourn when it fell apart and then also a a newer relationship that just fell apart and um my marriage ended suddenly uh it was just this fantastic perfect marriage that like i was so proud of Uh and it had lasted for a really long time because he was so smart and interesting and he like evolved very fast and so we were just this great great partnership never fought and then he got in a car accident and it was a minor car accident and he didn't even go unconscious but he got a concussion and his personality changed and just overnight we weren't compatible yeah and then we had just like a real rough six months and then it was over and when i was processing like holy fuck am i about to lose this marriage uh i it was awful and 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 difficult but there was a comfort in that we had been together for so long right? and that we had done everything that we set out to do. You know, we set all these goals. We, we got together very early in recovery and we set all these goals and we met all these goals and we crushed it and we had great kids and we had a great life and we were kind of just on a loop. I mean, we were always growing and doing bigger and better things. He's right. very ambitious. So, you know, like, but there was a comfort in knowing that we had done it and that like we had experienced everything that this had to experience. And so I was able to like let that go easier than this newer relationship where I felt like everything was still new. Yeah. And that we hadn't we hadn't soaked it up yet. Yeah. And so this has been far more difficult. Something that's 18 months old is far more difficult for me to let go of uh-huh. than something that was 10 years old. Where I think for your average person, they're like, but we invested 10 years where I'm like, right. yeah, we did for 10 years. Fuck, how long are we going to do this shit? You know? Yeah. And uh, where on the other hand, I just felt like uh, we didn't get off the fucking ground and then uh, we didn't get to let it be old. Like, I want to leave things when I've done it, you know? Right. And And it was in the process of baking still. Yeah. And uh, which is just, I think, an interesting view into how i see the world because i think it's the opposite for most people right well i mean i i have i I have a weird theory and i always run this by not always but most of the time i run this by guests that people especially if they were a part of any community when they leave the people either tend to individuals tend to either go to uh another community an individual or just kind of close themselves off from the world and isolate and I've it, it sounds like you tend to find another individual that you can share 
these because it seems like like your attachment level when you're talking about your past relationships it sounds like it's a different attachment level than you had to the drug community or the church community or, or any right of, of, of those things and you also don't seem to ever seem to be uh isolated you seem to want that kind of connect is that I think in relationships, I uh, have always been like, I don't need a relationship because right. I really do think that the idea of being alone, I like it. The idea of not answering to anyone, okay. I like it. But then I fall in love. Sure. And to me, it feels like I don't fall in love very easily. I get that. But yeah. I, I guess so. I've had um, three long term. I guess four now, if you count this last one. Right. Um, relationships. And then. um maybe a couple guys I dated, but like I've never successfully dated anyone for a couple months. There was like one like relationship that I was really just kind of using the guy for his house. Sure. It's a very toxic relationship, but if I'm being honest with myself, <laughs> it's for the uh, house. I was just using him for his house while we were on drugs. Sure. But, um, everyone else, uh, like I fall in love. I know very, I know immediately I'm in love and then it's a very long term relationship. And then I have, you know, I'll do like a year sometimes, there was one relationship went straight into the next, but then I took a year off. And uh -huh. um, my goal right now is to do a year by myself. But I think ultimately I'm not great uh, by myself. Uh -huh. um, my brain goes 24 seven right. is crunching on stuff. And if I spend too much time outside of a, of a relationship, uh, too much time alone, which just happens if you're not in a relationship. Yeah. Too much time not communicating with other people, I get very weird. And uh, what does very weird mean? Uh, just like too far wrapped up in my own uh, head. Because like sure. when I'm like I'm like trying to decode the universe and 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 shit, and like I'm down rabbit holes constantly. Yeah. And so I just find like I become less of a well-rounded person when I don't have like I'm attracted to men with their feet on the ground, uh -huh. but who can like have their head in the or enjoy head in the cloud shit. Right. And then that gives me like a balancing effect uh, where I, I end up with some um, stability there where I'm, I can like freely float around in the clouds. And then like I have that yeah. that connection to the ground, I guess. So, but right now I think I did just bounce from marriage to another relationship and that I, I need to just like not date, no sex, whatever for a year um, and yeah. like, like regroup. Right. And, um, I think as far as like leaving, I do just, I disconnect very fast and I, uh, square up the narrative uh -huh. I like wrap it in a bow. Okay, this was the point for this. And then, you know, like I just don't believe in mistakes. I don't believe in regret. I don't fuck with guilt or anything like that. I forgive others. I forgive myself. How, 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 do, you, how do you do this? As um, someone who wants to be that way, I'm so curious how. Do you have a hard time forgiving yourself or others? Um, I mean, both more myself. Yeah. It's just, um, I think uh, you have to have a life philosophy, right? So the uh -huh. life philosophy is that everything happens for a reason. It's all just experience. I hate it when I have a life philosophy or I have a belief system and then fucking new age people get a hold of it and ruin it. So like uh, everything happens for a reason does not mean like don't cry when you're sad. Everything happens for a reason. It just means like ultimately I believe 100% that everything that's happening in my life is happening 
uh, because I want it to happen. Right. And that experience is just experience. Yeah. And that even when it's heartbreaking and awful, even when I haven't left my house, I've been crying for a fucking week. It's just experience. Right. And at the end of my life, uh, I'm just going to look back fondly on all of it. Sure. And so, therefore, I don't believe that I have any, that I'm the victim of anyone else. Yeah. Even the guy that molested me, I forgive him. Yeah. Even the 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 shitty childhood, I I forgive. You know, uh, everyone involved. Honestly, like a hundred percent. It's just we're just here experiencing shit together, and I don't believe anything happened against my will, uh-huh. my higher will. And so, in that same vein, I forgive myself for everything awful I've ever done to anyone else, right. and that's harder. It's easier to forgive other people. Yeah. But. Uh, it's like not productive to it, hold it, yourself it yeah. to the fire. It doesn't it doesn't do anything but hold you back. It doesn't prevent you from perpetuating the uh crime again. Because if you uh let's say you fuck up a relationship uh-huh. and then you just like get off because it's gross, there is some kind of like uh, addictive quality to uh berating yourself for something bad you did. Yeah. And then you like you you get off to thinking about how you're a horrible person. When you get in the next relationship, you're still clinging to that identity of you being unworthy or you being deficient or you being whatever. And you just will perpetuate that into the next uh, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Because you haven't like let go of that. Right. And so. Fix it. And just stop it. Yeah. How? I mean, how? 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 I mean, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I'm very curious about. You no, know, no. But. But how? How did? How did you? At what point? Because I'm guessing you didn't know that immediately. I'm, I mean, you've had quite a fucking life. I can't imagine you immediately were like, I've. You. You for, were able to forgive, all of it, off the back. How did you? Learn to do that. When did you learn to do that? I had that near-death experience, and then I got, like, followed around by aliens and, like, taught stuff by aliens in my dreams for years. Uh-huh. And uh, the uh, premise of the shit they taught me, which could be meth-induced schizophrenia, as I've mentioned, was that uh, we just all come... Like, we're all one, first mm-hmm. of all, so that makes it a lot easier to forgive. That nothing has ever happened to you against your will. Uh, good or bad don't exist. Right or wrong don't exist. It's like we live inside of Red Den dead redemption or uh grand theft auto where yeah it's awful that he drags that woman out of her car and then runs her over with her own car other than it doesn't matter because it's a video game right and so but that your pain is real like you are you know you are experiencing the game and so feel it and process it but like ultimately uh the acceptance at the end of the grieving process is that it's just experience Uh and so um I believe that that resonates. And so I, uh, I learned a lot from getting molested. Like my first ever psychic ability came from getting molested because anyone who's ever got molested as a kid can feel a pervert from a million miles away. Uh Like if a creep, like a real creep walks into the room, he doesn't have to say anything. The hair is standing up on the back of the neck of everyone uh, who was abused. And uh, that's where I learned kind of where that control panel is for other for other like clarescent gifts, you know. Um, 
I got a lot out of it. I mean, it was awful, you know, and I've had right. to like really this last couple of years has been about me like honoring the pain and the trauma and the damage that it was caused. But it just like doesn't there's just no benefit. There's no benefit to being owned by any of this stuff. You know, it's right. just like it just is. It just is. And so uh, I learned to forgive my mom because I started doing drugs and then I suddenly like was in her shoes and understood her. Yeah. And then I thought, what if you just, what if nobody's actually evil? What if everyone comes from a place of pain or trauma? And that one's hard to, like, I do that with anybody that fucks me over in the day-to-day. I can't do that with, like, Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, other than this person's just completely fucking broken. Right. Um. I mean, I kind of, I kind of, uh, and I, I don't mean to interject at all because you're, no, you're, no. you're on a roll. <laughs> you're fucking, no, this is all so interesting. But I kind of subscribe to the idea that most people, most people who do bad things have some sort of damage they haven't worked out or yeah. have some sort of insecurity that they aren't willing to, you know, look into. And uh, there are, but there are a, there is a sliver of just, I think, pure evil people out there. Something really interesting and a side note uh-huh. uh, is that when my husband got in that car accident and got a uh, TBI, I, I was doing a lot of research on it. Uh-huh. And uh, I came across some TED Talks by this guy. I wish I could remember his name, but he talks about how um, the brain is the one organ that when it's malfunctioning, we don't scan it. Like, yeah. why aren't we looking at brains when people have psychiatric issues right and he had done some research where he was scanning the brain of like psychopathic children Uh and finding tumors and stuff in their brains so it's really interesting to think about these like serial killers and stuff like what if it is just like a physical issue with their brain because the brain is bananas like you can push on a part of your brain and and control someone's behavior the entire like the car accident just jostled my husband's brain enough that his brain had to take a new neural pathway and that you're that's just your whole personality is the path that your brain is used to taking yeah and you can make minor changes through like habit uh like training your habits but like uh when it physically gets an injury and has to take a different path you now just have a different personality overnight yeah That's so sensitive. So imagine a kid who like falls off the jungle gym, bumps his head, and now he wants to, you know, he wants to eat penises. Like, (laughs) you know, it's uh, after he's cut them off. Just not regular eating penises is totally fine. (laughs) Um, That's crazy to think about. You know, like the, you know, some people are just wired wrong. No, I it it is fascinating to me because I start I had I had uh, as a because I had you know my own mental health issues kind of come up as a freshman. I was very depressed before that, but it started becoming some next level shit as a freshman in high school. And that's where I was as a freshman playing varsity football. Oh man, against kids I'm so anti football. Yeah, no, it makes sense, especially with all the things you said about about head trauma, and it's it, it's it's all very. It's all very interesting, and it's also conflicting for me because I I think you need to protect your head, but I also enjoy football, so I don't know. I where have so I many st- mixed feelings about sports and kids. Yeah, I'm like ten years older than my sister who played basketball and volleyball, 
Which there's less head damage. There's, there's, uh, the, the head but damage. Her joints are jacked up. Sure. It's like fucking your joints are so important. Does a couple years of learning competition, which I don't even think is that great for you, joints, bad joints suck. Like I, I'm in my 40s yeah. and mine are great because I was lazy as fuck. <laughs> Because I got You're in better ups. physical shape because you did drugs instead of exactly. playing basketball. <laughs> exactly. Kids, do drugs. Skip class. Skip gym class. <laughs> do drugs. No, it's it's very, it, yeah. No, it's, I mean, but at the same time, I I don't know. There's We, we, we can talk about more interesting things in sports. I'm sorry I yeah. interjected no, 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 that no. because, I, you know, you were talking about. Um, I feel like you haven't gotten to say three words on your own podcast. No, it, you know what's funny? Everybody, everybody, every single guest has said the, something. Right, in the same that means vein. you're a good interviewer. Well, no, and I, I mean, you can hear me talk uh, any fucking time. I want to, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your opinions. They can actually hear you talk on my new podcast, yeah. uh, Soberish, which is is coming out soon, and I'm going to interview oh, is that what you, you for that. To call it? Yeah, it's Soberish. That, that's a that's a great title. This is the first place I've said it. I haven't announced it yet, but um, Soberish. Uh, Tim Dillon did name my podcast. <laughs> Tim Dillon's great. I love Tim. I Thank love God. Tim. I would have given it some awful name. Every every time I've talked to one on one, he starts yelling at me about fixing my career. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. He goes, "Why aren't you doing all of?" Yeah, but I love, I love Tim Dillon. But yeah, no, you were talking. You were talking about. Um, I mean, you were talking about head trauma. But before that, you were talking about just the the these concepts of forgiveness, and it took doing drugs to kind of. I don't think I could have forgiven my mom if I didn't put myself in her shoes. And I think that not forgiving my mom would have held me back my entire life because I didn't think she wanted me and I didn't think she loved me. And that that fear of being unwanted and fear of being rejection rejected uh, still to this day ripples out into every area of my life. And um, I needed that. Right. I needed that experience to know it's okay and that it, it was she was just high and it was right fine. i think um uh and you kind of hit that point you said about it was about five five years it was a couple years into drugs where a friend was crying about how uh she was a bad mom and i was like you're not a bad mom you're just high and then it clicked. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just like when paradigm shifts happen and all of a sudden, like your brain just starts scanning Shaking through images, almost, you know, and yeah. being like, boom, remember this, remember this, remember this. And yeah. now you're just like you're processing with this new piece of information and just all of these memories from childhood where I was just felt so unwanted and hated and despised by my mom. I realized right. like, oh, she was just tweaking. And I was like interrupting her, taking the fucking linoleum off the floor or something. Yeah. Did you get a chance to to talk to her after that experience or did she, yeah she, she lives with me she's my nanny now she lives, she lives at you? my house and watches my kids when i'm on the road yeah that's i didn't know that that's yeah. amazing yeah she's like 20 she got sober before i started using uh-huh so um yeah it's kind of a, a cool like do-over for her that she yeah. gets to be you know because i have two daughters right and so she gets to be She's like so different now as a mom that it's uh it drives me nuts kind well, of she, almost. She probably she probably wants to prove that she's she's good at it and wants to do a good job and She's wants just like so it, like I'm like mom I can open my own coffee creamer like cuz she was <laughs> nothing like that when I was a right. kid, you know. And so it's funny now cuz she's just this helicopter mom and when I was a kid it was like she didn't come to my school play. Yeah. You know. And so it's funny 
to to watch that, but also like heartwarming for me that she kind of gets this, right. this second chance well, and, and yeah. she's helping me and she's also like getting to be a mom to my kids. Well, and then that's also the, I mean, that's the evidence that that kind of epiphany you had, that, that's the backing of it is she wouldn't, you know, if, if yeah, she's here now and she's trying to make up for it and she does love you, which is, which is, you know, uh. I did exact revenge on her for a while, <laughs> which uh, is understandable. Yeah. So there's a there's a character that I'm locked into, and that is I get into relationships. I'm not locked into, but I I, I saw I found myself in this last relationship trying to play out this scenario that I had uh, done several times before, which uh-huh. is I fall in love, uh, I fall in love with someone who takes me for granted, and then uh, I get to be the strong woman that leaves. Uh-huh. And then they regret it for the rest of their life, right? right. And um, I have, I usually move 3,000 miles across the country during a breakup, and then I get chased every time. I've had multiple men drive across the country to get me back. And um, when I was 12, my life was really bad. Like, my mom was strung out. She had some other strung out woman living in our house who was abusive. Her children were monsters. I would get, like, held down and spit into my face by these fucking just trailer park rats and just nasty kids, man. And the mom was awful. And uh, I was just also going through puberty, and yeah. it was terrible. It was, it was a very rough time in my life. And I left. I moved to my dad's house, and I wouldn't speak to my mom and I wrote a mean poem about her and had it published and then framed it and sent it to her. <laughs> and, uh, I just hurt her. Like I just went right. after her throat a few times, you know? And then, uh, and then at that point in my life, I changed my name cause I was like Jessica Garcia before that. And uh-huh. then I changed my name and refused to go by Jessica. You had to call me Jessa. And I, I remember kind of making a conscious decision that, like, that Jessica was weak and no one will ever treat me like that again. Uh-huh. And I became this very, like, rough exterior uh, person that I'm not actually. Right. Um, but it is difficult to get close, actually close to me because I don't get, I seem vulnerable because I'm open. Yeah. But it's a very, uh, it's actually a defense mechanism. Like, I'm open because then you can't. You can't find out and then reject yeah. me for it later. I'm the yeah. same way. I'm but you're not actually way. getting vulnerability uh, yeah. is extremely like true vulnerability is rare and extremely difficult for me. And then almost immediately after becoming vulnerable, I feel like the person I've become vulnerable with is my enemy. And yeah. uh, because they have my heart and that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And then I just seek out that narrative where you take me for granted. So I have an excuse to leave so that I get to be the strong woman and that you regret it forever. You right. know, and it's it's funny watching myself. I'm so self-aware now watching myself trying to write that into the script of this last relationship. Uh huh. And uh, it wasn't the script of my marriage because my marriage started out on that script. Uh, he, oh, that was he was a dude I left three thousand miles. He was one of the men I left, and, and then like, he, he chased came, you down, mm-hmm. and it, you guys had happy years together after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, that 
that all stems from like childhood trauma, right? How we just like play out those early relationships. Right. No, it's funny because I I have I you know uh, I I have my I didn't actually didn't ever occur to me that that was common that you have either a fear or a, a fantasy of how exactly it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know that was common for yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a me thing. <laughs> Which is why I would like doing this podcast. Is mm-hmm. The whole point of the reason I put this podcast together is trying to figure out how much of this shit is me shit and how much of this stuff is more universal. It's than all I of us. It it's so crazy how much of it is all of us. Do you think? Do you think it's it's all of us, or do you think that? Because sometimes I meet people and I'm just like, there's nothing going on, and you're obviously not one of none of those people <laughs> are going to be on the show. Yeah. But you, you, I meet those people and I, and I wonder, and you try to have a conversation about with them about anything remotely either in intelligent or I- interesting and they're murmuring about the big bang theory and shoes Ugh. and you don't <laughs> you don't you don't know how to connect with them because it's like the, my brain just doesn't operate on that way it's almost like you've 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 dulled down or weren't born with the receptors to have anything beyond surface level and i always wonder is that me not giving them the benefit of the doubt or is that actually how they are i used to believe they were extras i used to believe that they were i used to think there's like a thousand of us yeah and that uh and that the the way that all the people from all my different iterations of me all still bounce off of each other. Right. You know, I've lived in multiple states. I've been in multiple different scenes that shouldn't ever interconnect, and they all somehow interconnect. And um, there are people in the peripheral that I swear have been in the... I think we've talked about this before. I swear have been in the peripheral of every version of my life. Like, I'll never talk to them, but they're just out the corner of my eye. I recognize them. Yeah. And I used to believe there's like a thousand of us and everyone else is just some type of sim AI bot right. or something. And now I've uh, I've really started to get into this idea of and started to unpack this like timeline and like dimensions. So like timelines being different uh, potentialities that you could be like living like they all exist and you're tuning your attention to the one that you want. And then uh, dimensions being like layers of consciousness uh-huh. and that you can have access to to higher and higher layers of consciousness. Right. So like someone with like just 3D reality would be someone you're talking about. Sure. Someone with access to 3D plus 4D would be someone who can hear in what I call the ether, like the astral plane, which is just like where you hear the subtext. Uh-huh. You got 5D is like... Uh, uh, still trying to unpack that one a little bit. Yeah. But so there are people maybe walking around us that are living in an 8D reality, and mm-hmm. they we are their peripheral people. Right. But they are living so uh, high above our pie, uh, high above our pay grade that like we can't perceive most of what they're experiencing. Sure. Because they're experiencing a higher dimensional thing. But we're all here. We're all physically here. Uh-huh. But we can't interact with. Uh, it doesn't feel good to interact with someone on a lower uh, who's playing a, a di- you know, and, there's, and not right. a value judgment there, right. but just um, so that's why we're all it's here. Why second graders don't talk to first graders normally. Yeah. It's just like we're working with yeah. a different set of information, different set of tools, different way of communicating. And so I have found that at this point I'm almost not even ever bouncing into people that are still talking about, 
like we end up not even interacting. Social sure. anxiety helps with that a lot. Yeah. But um, like I, I've ended up with so many, just surrounded by so many people cut from the same energetic cloth. Yeah. And uh, that that's my theory now, that there are just people who are um, just living in a different layer, but they're right. around us. So they do exist, but they're just not meant to be in. Yeah, no, that, that they're makes, an extra for me and I'm an extra for them. That that makes sense sense to me. I mean, I and I we already talked about because we did a show together at the Irvine Improv. Yeah, and we talked a lot about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think I told you then that <laughs> a lot of your views on. I'm going to I don't know if this is the accurate thing to call it, but I'd call it your views on spirituality is kind of how I'll, I'll umbrella what you're talking about. Yeah. Also fall in line with delusions I had as a ch- child. But I also took them to more extreme places where they had to involve my own death and stuff. Like yeah. That. <laughs> you know, it's hard not to go down the rabbit holes. There yeah, are. Well, my yeah. my rabbit hole was that because I knew the truth, the government was trying to kill the kill me, and at the same time, these and it was also aliens are going to shut down the simulation <laughs> and reboot it, and everyone on planet Earth was going to die. Yeah, is what I thought. Um, which uh, you know I know not to be true now, and there's so there's there's overlap, but it's a different thing. Yeah, I, I think my it's the. Uh, it's the it's the mix it's the cocktail of fear and then uh and then like walking off the leash sure you know what i mean so like you have the fear-based reality here and then you have if you want to explore the depths that consciousness has to offer but uh uh you kind of have to pick one or the other right because uh if you take fear into that it'll you'll you'll lose it. It's very yeah. scary. No, you know? and I, I had, I, and, and I, I still do, but I had a lot of, a lot of fear. I've always had, it's self-fear for me is the thing. The other question I want to ask you about what you were just talking about is do you get, when you're talking about the, the, the faces and how they reappear, do you have, how often, did you ever experience faces in dreams that you saw in real life and you already knew, like, oh, I have a connection, and then you speak to them, and there obviously is some sort of understanding on a spiritual level. No, I think that that's so interesting. I do have people come into my life, and I remember them, and I don't uh-huh. know where I remember them from, and it feels like I remember them from a dream. Uh-huh. But uh, I can't say, like, oh, this is that person from that specific dream. I think that that's a cool gift, but I'm reading a book right now that says... Uh, dreams and waking reality are the same which i've said for a long time dreams are something besides your imagination just firing off and then it talks about uh so you basically are just stepping in between dimensions when you go to sleep and wake up Uh uh-huh which i've always felt right and so that would make sense yeah well i mean there's also i mean just scientifically whether or not people who are listening to this are are screwing what the fuck are you talking about or they're are completely connected to it just the idea that I think what your your subconscious is what is it six times more powerful than your conscious or something like that. Yeah, wow. It's it's I don't know the exact amount, but it's way more powerful than your conscious, and pretty much your dream is tapping directly into your subconscious in a disorganized fashion, and that's what dreams are. I don't dream anymore. I wish I still did. Really? Yeah. Is the phases of dreaming and not dreaming are really interesting. Yeah. No, it's been it's been years. Uh, occasionally I'll have one. Dude, you have to read that. It hasn't rung yet, so I think Okay. Okay. Um 
should 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 we should we start to wrap up because you have a you have a conference call. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, there was one other uh, a tribe I left that we're gonna yeah. get into on on my podcast. We can talk about till the phone rings. Um, I got clean. I got very passionately into uh twelve step recovery. Right. And I didn't. Um, I got into it because it was like such a great transition from this just underground world where I only hung out with addicts and criminals to society. I didn't feel comfortable in society. I didn't feel like I belonged there. I had social anxiety, but I didn't need it to get clean. Like I was already clean. Right. And, uh, and then I, I just kind of believed everything they said. I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'm obviously an addict, right? I just right. shot up in my neck. I drank piss. I obviously did awful need things. Help. Yeah. I'm an addict. Yeah. yeah. I definitely don't need this to get clean because I got clean before I got there. Right. I quit and knew I was done. Were you just searching for community when you got there? I was actually just trying to like placate my dad. My dad was in recovery and was very sure. excited about taking me to meetings. And I was like, ah, okay. And I was just like, how many meetings do I have to do to make him feel? <laughs> there was no evidence that I was going to ever use again. I knew, right. th- I knew, you know, and I don't yeah. like self-deceive. I knew I was done. Right. And I had already been clean for a month or something. Uh-huh. And uh, no desire to use. And then he took me to an, an AA meeting and I didn't like it. And then he took me to an NA meeting and there was people bitching about their parole officer and shit. And I was like, oh, I like these people. Right. Yeah. Like I just uh, it, it's hard to go from that life to like normal people felt so uptight and weird to me. Yes. And so I got involved and I was like, okay, a community, cool, a place to hang out, people to, people that don't drink, that I can go to dances and co- like, yeah. and so I just really got into it. But the whole time I was like, I don't really resonate with a lot of the message because right. I don't have a desire to use and I didn't need this to get clean and whatever. But then I just thought, what am I going to get too sober? Who gives a shit? Uh-huh. And so I did everything it said to do. I did service work, step work, had a sponsor. Sorry, sponsor. I just caught, what am I going to get too sober? That that, yeah. that, that tickled me. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, you get a lot of people who were like, I don't think I need this. And it's like, well, fucking, what's it going to hurt? Yeah. Do it for a year, right. you know? And so and that's kind of still my take on it. But then there are a lot of messages in it about, you know, uh, maybe not even in the program itself, but that the people say about like your your addictions in the background doing push-ups and, and uh, you know, it's going to come and get you. And y- if you put your guard down, it's going to come and get you. And that really caused like a disconnect for me because I feel like I know myself. Right. I feel very self-aware. Right. And believing that I have this monster inside of me that's trying to get me. Uh-huh. Uh, it took me a long time to like a long time to reconcile because that's a, not a uh, for me, not a good thing to believe. Right. Because for me, like I wanted to get high, like I wanted to get high. I never ever in the in the depths of the worst meth day thought I wish I wasn't doing meth. Uh huh. Until I got bored, and then I just was like, okay, I won't do this anymore. And then I just didn't do it again. Yeah. So to believe that I have this thing trying to get me this inner demon. Which I do believe people have. Oh, I absolutely. I believe those people are, uh, uh, I don't want to say not self-aware because I don't want to judge other people. But, like, this is not what was happening for me. Yeah. And it took me years and years and years to accept that. But it was damaging to me to have that belief. And it was also damaging to me to identify as an addict because... Um, 
Well, I went to sell a hypnosis business at at uh, this was so this was so more transformative for me than leaving Christianity. Right. Um, I went to buy a hypnosis business from a woman, and then like forty five minutes into the meeting, I said, "I uh, feel like I should tell you I'm an addict." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Yeah, I know. Why do you?" do that like why you wear that like a name tag and i did not look like i ever did drugs i was adorable and uh and i said what do you mean and she said you have it like written across your forehead how long has it been since you did a drug and i said four years she said you don't think it's weird to identify yourself as something you haven't done in four years and that fucking blew my mind yeah and i thought about that for three more years before (laughs) deciding i don't think i want to identify as an addict anymore because i really honestly would get high if I wanted to get high. Right. I really, it's a it's a lack of a desire. It's not like I if I can't I can't do meth because I'll be off to the races. It's like yeah, yeah I'll be off to the races. But like I also just feel like I already did that race. I don't drink because I don't like it because I'm actually very anti-alcohol. I think uh-huh. alcohol is ego juice. I think alcohol is the one substance that nobody ever says like man. Then alcohol turned things around. <laughs> I know people who smoke pot. I don't smoke pot, but I know people who smoke pot and like can regulate their own mental health stuff with yeah, it. Yeah, and it helps with their anxiety and they yeah. can be more social. No one yeah. fucking says that about alcohol. Alcohol, at, at best, is a crutch that <laughs> disconnects you. Are you going to say it? Yeah. I oh, th- really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, well, we, we can get into that. We'll get to that on yeah. your, your, okay. your yeah, podcast because yeah. I, I want, I'm, I'm interested, uh, you know, I want to, because you, you're about to have to take uh, 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 I'm real skeptical about this dude actually calling me though, because he uh, he makes a lot of conference call plans that don't go through. Yeah, but but uh, the one thing I do I, I do want to I, I do want to say is just uh, um, you know it's it's the same thing you're saying is I, I have I I've I had that same struggle in, in a different way with mental health stuff where when I was dealing with my mental health they told me you're this kind of mentally ill you're gonna take these meds your entire life if you don't it'll get worse. This is who you are, and then you get to a point, and nothing got better for me because I kept going to the hospital more and more and more frequently, and the delusions were getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't recommend this to anyone who's dealing with this, but it's something to be aware of so hopefully you can get away from it, is things didn't get better until I kind of went, you know what, uh, what you guys are doing isn't helping me. I'm going to try to do it independently and I think we're very same. We're independence, yeah. and you, we're we both go. When I decide I am in control, I will find a way to get it done. Yep. And that's when things got better. But identifying people telling you know you're mentally ill, this will never change. This will never get better. Yeah. And eventually, you absorb that as part of your identity. Exactly. And even if that is the case, where it's you are mentally ill, and you have to deal with that for the, your entire life. Or an addict, and you have to deal with that in your entire life. That's something you deal with, but that isn't you. And I feel like both in because I've been to meetings, and I've been to a bunch of psych wards, and neither community does a good job differentiating the two. Is this is something you do, and not who you are. This is something you struggle with, and not your internal being. And I feel like yep. it gets twisted, and it's unfair to people because. No one is just that. Yeah, and then if that's your entire identity, then you see everything through that lens. You, you never trust it. yourself. Yeah. You never believe yourself. You yeah. doubt everything that you think, and uh, and then how do you get better? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know how you get better. <laughs> I genuinely don't because I couldn't do it. Yeah. Until I kind of mentally decide, fuck this, it's not working. And it's, I mean, you, it sounds like you didn't even get to that point. You just knew, like, no, I'm in charge. I'm going to go ahead and get this done and be sober. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it doing right. it anymore, and so there, there was. I didn't think like, oh God, I got to get my life together. Nothing like that. It wasn't I was just a like, man, decision. It for was you. like uh, I was moving. They didn't have meth where I was moving, <laughs> and I was like, I was gonna have it sent to me, and then I was like, oh, fucking, they're not gonna send it. Tweakers can't get to a fucking post office, right. you know, and I'll just quit. And then I thought I would drink again eventually, and then. Uh, but then I got to meetings. I wasn't drinking right then because I was like, I'm trying to come down off of meth. I'm not going to add a downer to it. Right. And then, uh, and then they were like, you don't drink anymore. And I'm like, all right. The only thing I ever thought like, oh, I wish I could do that was psychedelics, but it wasn't like a desire. It was like, I didn't do my first psychedelics. So I had seven years abstinent. Right. And then I took another like four years off and, uh, I like microdose and stuff now. Um, but like still, I'm just like by society standards i'm sober uh because i don't recreationally do like i don't sure. you know uh my definition of moderation and everyone else's definition of moderation are quite different but i by like what people call recovery i'm not you yeah. know i'm not because i did acid a few months ago right and so that is like what the new podcast is about it's kind of a nuanced conversation with that because i felt like oh i don't have a voice in this conversation right. because i don't i'm not doing it the way i'm supposed to be doing right. it but i think there's a lot of people who have their own definition and sure. i like that i like finding my own way yeah. and, and, and encouraging other people to also find their own way no i think that's great what's what's the new podcast called again? the new podcast is called soberish and of course, people should check out Mormon and the Meth Mormon Head. Mormon and the Meth Head. If you haven't already listened to it, yeah, start at the beginning on that podcast. Yeah, it's a whole journey. Don't worry about the new episodes. Yeah, start which at the I beginning. think it's I think it's great that it, it you do it that way. I know some people don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. but I love that the whole podcast is a story. I, I like I like I like it when not every podcast feels exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I yeah, and I I very much enjoy working. You have to take a call, and I have to pee really okay, bad. Okay, yeah. we're, we're gonna record <laughs> soberish. All uh, right, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing the show.